you as a new investor have the opportunity to come in and buy and do a little bit of capital expenditure to make it look nicer and all that stuff, lowering the expenses, further increasing the NOI. And then at the end of the day, you've got a lower cap rate, a higher NOI, a lot of value built up. There's a lot of interaction you have to do, but you can be rewarded handsomely. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. This is your host, Dr. Michael McManus, and we are here today with Dan Likowicz. I think I messed that up this time. Help me out there, Dan. Dan Lukowicz, all good. Lukowicz, I apologize. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one. So when we wrapped up the first half of the show or our first half of the conversation, I wanted to get back to you talked about two of your favorite spaces in commercial real estate were fast food restaurants like Chick-fil-A we talked about and black box or empty spaces. And so we were getting back to that empty space and adding value to that. So what's special about this space or what are some of the special challenges to looking at an empty building? Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely one of the major forms of value add in the commercial real estate net lease space. So in terms of, I mean, how it works, you know, essentially like, so I'll give you a great example. This is property I recently sold, but this was a former Burger King. Okay. The location was, I would say, slightly below average. Average Burger King sales are about 1.4 million. If I remember correctly, I have a file on my desk here, but if I remember correctly, they were doing about 1.2 million. So not the best. But um, at any rate, the real estate was good real estate. And the operator was a major Burger King chain, which is called Tom's Kings. Maybe you guys have heard of them. They were a 91-unit operator that filed for bankruptcy in March of this year and gave the keys back to the landlord, stopped paying rent, lease was rejected, vacant property for, let's call it six months by the time I listed it for sale. So when I listed it, it was a vacant property. Now, if this property was occupied... I believe they were paying, I think, $11,500 a month. Okay, so $138,000 a year. If this had like some decent lease term on it, call it 10 years, maybe this would have traded at a, let's just call it a six and a half cap. So $2.13 million roughly. Okay, call it $2.1 million. But because it was empty, we actually listed it for $995,000. Significant discount, right? No cash flow, not only no cash flow, negative cash flow. Because remember, when a net lease has a tenant, they're paying your taxes, insurance, and maintenance. And all that other stuff. But now no one's there. You got to pay taxes. You got to pay insurance. You got to cut the grass. You got to plow the snow, all that good stuff. So, this property went under contract with a client of mine, very good friend. And he started working with a major national chain you might know called Starbucks. Starbucks was willing to pay in this site uh, $152,000 annually. And Starbucks was willing to sign a 10 year lease, redo the building. They were going to require this client to put in like eight hundred and $10,000 or 800, I'm sorry, $800,000 in reimbursement to Starbucks for some of the tenant improvements. Starbucks itself was 1.2 million into the building. And at the end of the day, this would have traded for approximately a 575 cap. So at 152,000, I got my calculator here at a 575 cap, you're looking at 2.6 million. So buy it for 900 and change, right? Whatever number you get on a contract before, put in 800 of reimbursements to Starbucks. So you're in for at that point, 1.7, 1.75. 
and you've got to pay your brokers and at least it for you. So maybe you're at 185 and you got roughly, in that case, $800,000 of equity in the deal. So that's a great example of a retail repurposing of a vacant box. There are other strategies that we employ in that lease that are maybe a little different, but that's kind of like a breakdown of how that works. So how much time and effort went into that process? It sounds like this neat thing, hey, I called Starbucks. They gave yeah. me some terms. We signed some paper and a month later we made $800,000. <laughs> yeah. So no, it definitely doesn't work like that. And in fact, in this site, in the middle of due diligence, so basically what happened was Starbucks paid for some surveys because they wanted to make sure they could fit a certain number of cars in their stack, in their drive through that is. And they weren't able to. So they went back to their surveyor and they said, change the layout of the site, move the drive through They moved the drive through and then they said, nope, you know what? We don't like the degree of the angle that the cars are going to have to turn to exit from this queue when they leave with their drinks. So we're just going to tell you this. We're happy to do the deal. We'll raise the rent by $10,000, but you need to scrape and demolish the building and build us a new building that's going to cost you about, I don't know, two to three million. So, yep, jaw on the floor. That's what I said. Totally killed the deal. We were able to work something out and assign the contract to another buyer that was an end user. It was a win-win-win for everyone. One of the most hands-on deals I've ever been involved in. But let's just say hypothetically that that's not what happened. Let's say that Starbucks said, you know what? 18 cars in the stack. We love the angles here. Everything is great. You know, let's move forward. So Starbucks told us that it was going to take from the time they signed the lease till the time they were open and paying rent was going to be 18 to 24 months. Wow. Yeah. So as the investor on that side, you got to know going in that you're going to have to close on this and not only not get rent for two years, but also put out some improvements for Starbucks. Well, let's clarify in this specific example, and it's case by case. I'm actually investing in a deal that is a similar deal with Starbucks in a different state. And Starbucks is not structuring the deal this way. They're making the buyer pay for things. They're making the owner pay for things that they weren't in the example I was giving. In the example I was giving, let's say the purchase price was $900,000. So the buyer has to put out $900,000 at closing. But what's nice is once Starbucks signs that lease and they get going and they get their approvals and all their permits and everything, they start putting their shovels in the ground. They're spending money, spending money, spending money. They're going to spend that eight hundred grand and then start to spend that one point two of their own. And only after they've put the eight hundred grand in is the buyer going to now reimburse. The good news is, especially from an investment perspective, you put your nine hundred out up front, and then in this case, Starbucks does the improvements to your property, and you don't have to lay out the other eight hundred until they're done with it. So until they're completely done and start paying rent, or just when they're done with your eight hundred, or is that in this case it was, it was when they'd be done with that phase? Okay. Because the 800 was designed primarily for the external build out. So once they're done with the external build out, then you lay it out and reimburse them and they get to work on the other 1.2. So with some of this heavy value add, how many of the people who do this part of the project, because this is work, keep it and collect rent long term? Or do you now you've repositioned it, turn it and sell it? And that's what you, know, you it do. It all depends. It's a good question. I mean, in this example, this buyer was going to be financing the deal. So he would have financed the 900 right away at closing and then financed the 800 later on down the line. And rates were just too high to justify holding the property. So his perspective was he was planning on flipping it. I mean, if rates were lower, it probably would have made a lot more sense. Or if this was a cash purchase to go ahead and hold it, being that Starbucks is a great national tenant with great credit, 
but it really just depends on the scenario. And this is just because some of our listeners are newer to real estate, some of the different roles out there. And so the person doing the value add often doesn't keep it. It is, it's Starbucks flipping. It's not house flipping. Right. And it's somebody else who comes in, who buys it at that lower cap rate, who's yeah. looking for a nice, stable investment, but they're more of a buy a stable investment and watch it get re stable, lower yes, returns. Definitely a different profile. Then the person who comes in and says, all right, we're buying a vacant building and we're going to negotiate this lease and we're going to go through this whole process. That's more of a business. Then they want to take their money back out and go do it again. Right. Exactly. There's no doubt it's a different buyer profile completely. What are some of the other, uh, I don't know, I love the stories of vacant buildings and how they get repurposed. Any other good ones that you just saw a building get a whole new life getting I mean, repurposed? Yeah. And this is going to be totally different. I love it. It's one of my favorite strategies. It's called the blend and extend. And I'll give you a real life example. So by the way, this happened about two years ago. So the cap rates are not accurate for today, but they'll still make sense and prove the point. And we could do the same illustration with today's cap rates if we wanted to. So this was a Walgreens in Ohio. The client had built the building and the entire surrounding shopping center, every development, every out parcel 20, 25 years ago. And they had a 20-year base term lease with Walgreens. And that 20 years was just about up. So I believe that when we started discussing this asset, there was about 14 months left on the lease. So that's a very risky deal, especially if you can't get a whole... I mean, in that case, we had sales reporting and it was decent, but it's still a very risky deal. Walgreens may or may not stay. So at the time, Walgreens was paying $290,000 in base rent. And because it was a deal of about a year term left, it was a very high cap rate because high risk, right? High risk, high return. So the cap rate on that deal was approximately a nine cap, which would have yielded a sale price of $3,222,000. So let's just remember that number, $3,222,000. So my client was eager to get the property sold. And I said to him, and this is, by the way, this is how I conduct myself. But I said, we are not listing this property because it's not in your best interest right now to do that. Okay. We're going to do what's called the blend and extend. And this guy, big time developer said, what is that? And I said, I'm glad you asked. You're going to go to Walgreens. Okay. And you're going to contact them and you're going to say, Hey, we got this renewal coming up in 14 months. We want you guys to stay, but we want you to stay for a new 10 year lease. Okay. Sign a new 10 year lease. And they're going to come back to you and they're going to say, okay, but we want a rent reduction and you're going to give it to them. I could like hear this guy, like putting this face on over the phone. Why would I do that? I said, just trust me. Okay. He goes to Walgreens. He comes back to me. He goes, Dan, they'll do a new 10 year lease, but there's no way I'm doing it. I said, why? He goes, they wanted me to drop the rent to 225,000. So that's a $65,000 decrease in rent. And he said, I'm not doing it. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. You are doing it. And I'll tell you exactly why. Because if you want to sell this building and they're willing to sign a new 10 year lease, I can put this on the market and I can get you a 585 cap for it. So you're right. They're only going to pay 225,000. You might think I'm crazy because I'm telling you to throw away $65,000 of net operating income annually. But watch this. Remember our number before 3.222 million? Well, now same property. Everything's the same about it. We're just renovating the lease. We're rehabbing the lease. So now you've got 225,000 at a 585 cap. Boom, 3,846,000, right? So that's roughly a change of, let's call it $624,000 in equity. You did nothing to the property. All you did was change the lease terms. I love that. That's the same thing. 
on the surface, it looks exactly the same, but it's that dilapidated, distressed house, right? It's only got 14 months on the lease. And now you've turned it into something beautiful by giving the new investor more term. That's interesting. I know a guy who does that with single tenant warehouses. So more like something a big landscaper would use. And he likes to buy ones that have like a year left on the lease and then renegotiate the lease. Most of the time, the tenant never leaves, changes the value of the property, turns around and sells it again. And that's his whole world of just renegotiating leases. That's all he does. Yeah, exactly. It's a great strategy. People make a living doing only this. That's awesome. All right. So going back to your bio, in helping people understand the different types of real estate investments, I guess from what you do versus just if somebody's an investor and they're looking, what are you saying here that doctors should know about understanding these different things? In terms of like the different types of net lease, what should they know about them? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I think about net leases and maybe all the things that are out there. I think maybe that's the hard part for a lot of docs coming in because they start out like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll buy a duplex because they've rented a place before, but they haven't done this other stuff. There's just a lot out there. That's for sure. And I mean, I know a lot of people have made a lot of money in multifamily. I don't necessarily believe in it the way I do in net lease just because there's so many variables, so much that can go wrong. Obviously, like anything, unless you're seasoned and experienced and have proper training and mentorship and guidance and all that. But I would tell people, you know, is like, just do your research. I mean, there's a lot out there. There's the single tenant net lease deals that trade in the five, six, seven cap ranges. There's maybe the shorter term dollar stores in the high sevens, low eight cap. Right now, I think a big opportunity for there's investment potential is the shopping center space. I saw a lot of shopping centers and there's a lot of product that trades in the high seven, low eights, even mid eights or low nines in terms of cap rates. What I like about that is today with your average debt quotes, probably around 7.4, 7.5% today, it's rare in most investment spaces and commercial to find deals that trade at cap rates that are higher than debt, with the exception really of these shopping centers. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Another avenue that I didn't discuss earlier, but that I love for value add are these shopping centers because a lot of them were managed by mom and pop owners who all do respect. They did great things with the center, but they just wanted to keep it comfortable, didn't really want to raise rents, kept things the same. Maybe they left things outdated. Now you as a new investor have the opportunity to come in and buy, right? And do a little bit of capital expenditure to make it look nicer and all that stuff. Then you can start charging higher rents, getting rid of bad tenants, putting in better tenants, making the property look nicer, increasing the NOI, lowering the expenses, right? Converting leases that were gross leases where the landlord had to pay for the expenses to ones that had cam charges where the tenants reimbursed, further increasing the NOI. And then at the end of the day, you've got a lower cap rate, a higher NOI, a lot of value built up. Again, that's not the blended extent, which is pretty hands-off, right? There's a lot of interaction you have to do, a lot of things you have to do, but you can be rewarded handsomely. What do you, if somebody's coming in and they're learning about this, do you have any preferred resources to, you know, you went from flipping houses to now doing big commercial deals of maybe to fast track the learning about all these new things? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a great book, Alan Fruitman, who was a friend and probably the best buy side only broker in the business. He wrote a book um, about 1031 exchanges. I'd highly recommend that. It's short, it's sweet. It's a really good book. In terms of other books, if you're into multifamily, there's a book called Multifamily Millions by Dave Lindahl. That's a great book. If you want to learn about brokerage to become a broker, or if you are a broker and want to get better, or if you want to learn how to think like a broker, I actually created a course called the CREProCourse.com. That's C-R-E, 
like commercialrealestateprocourse.com. So CRE Pro Course, actually, I think the website has changed. Don't go there. Just Google CRE Pro Course. You'll find us. Great training course there. And then, I mean, 99.9% of what you're going to learn is on the fly. Like I like hiring brokers that have experience for a variety of reasons, but the majority of what they're going to learn is just on the job from asking questions and doing deals. And I can't tell you the number of things I know about now that five years ago, I would have totally scratched my head and not known what it is. It's just because I'm looking at deals all day and I'm doing deals all day. So experience is the best teacher. All right. So you got to get out there and do it. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So you specifically as a broker, what are the specific things you do to add value to your clients? So if somebody's out there and I bought this strip center and I fixed it up a little bit, now I'm going to sell it. What are the things I should be looking for in a broker to sell the building? Yeah, I mean, it's all about adding value. I mean, it's my mug from the CRE Pro course. And <laughs> on the back, it says provide value and everything else will follow. That's my motto is just provide value and everything else will follow. So like the blend and extend example, like I could have said, yeah, list it right now. Let's sell it. Let me get a paycheck. But I didn't say that. I said, this is what you got to do. And that helped me build a relationship and a client for life. Give me another example. I have a property. It's a shopping center I've been chasing for years. Finally, at the end of 2022, I secured the listing. I showed it to one of my clients who just bought a shopping center from me two miles away, like two months prior, perfect buyer. And long story short, one of the conditions of his letter of intent was that the gym in the property would extend their lease for three years. He wanted that stability being an out-of-state investor. And my client, the seller, said, oh, yeah, they never want to leave. They're going to be here forever. I'll go reach out to them, get the signed extension. Call him the next day. He's like, yeah, they're vacating. <laughs> they're leaving. And I was like, okay, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. So we sat down like in late December of last year. And I said to him, listen, I said, you wanted to leave a little meat on the bone. Now you already have to go and retenant this space. Why don't you just go and talk to each tenant next time you're there and see if you can get extensions. See if you can convert leases from gross leases to net leases with CAM charges reimbursed. And, you know, as a broker, I basically told them, like, let's not put this on the market. And we waited until like June or July. It was a long time. We talked every single week. He gave me the update. At the end of the day, he was able to increase the NOI of this shopping center by like 50 or 60 grand. And we sold it for about 200,000 more than the offer was six or eight months prior. So it did take some work. We worked together. I advised him on a lot of aspects. But at the end of the day, that was me doing what was best for the client. And it resulted in, in a win for everyone. That's great. And so if he had just tried to go sell it on his own, and there's where a lot of people are like, oh, I see these conversations on LinkedIn about how much people pay brokers. And, and one of my mentors is like, he goes, man, the way I see it is brokers make me money. So I want to make them money and keep everybody happy where other people are like, oh, no, you don't pay that much. So there's no doubt. I mean, let me just give you one example on that note. <laughs> I have a client. I sold some fast food restaurants for him. I love this guy. We just talked the other day. Like I've learned so much from him. But when I sold the fast food, he didn't tell me much about any of his other holdings. But as we got to the end of the deal, I started getting to know him. This guy owns some serious stuff, right? And one day he calls me and he called me twice. And I was in the middle of recording a podcast. I get out of the podcast and I call him back. He answers the phone. I say, what do you want to sell? He goes, how do you know I want to sell anything? I go, because you never call me and you certainly never call me twice. And he started laughing. You know, that's the relationship we have. So he tells me he wants to sell some assets. He thinks they're worth 32 million. So I'm like, okay, as a broker, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> right? So I go ahead. I put together this package. It was very complicated. It took a while. 
And I started doing some research and I called him back and I said, you want 32 for this? He goes, yeah. I go, I think we uh, should list this for 47. And he's like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, I think like, why should we leave your money on the table? We listed it for 47. We sold it for 47 and a half. Okay. Do you think that this guy, he this guy paid my firm over a half a million dollars in commission for that deal. But do you think he was upset? We got him 15 mil and a half, 15 and a half million dollars yeah. more than what he had thought it was worth. So yes, I'll gladly part with half a million dollars. Look, the commission was what you sold it for above what you listed it for. There was yeah. 15 mil of where he That's started right. at. That's right. Exactly. Well, that's a great finishing story. If you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up here? I mean, just like I love this game. I love what I do. I mean, I feel incredibly blessed to be in the position I'm in. If anybody wants to reach out, if you have a deal and you want to know what it's worth, if you have a deal and you want to sell it, if you just have a deal and you want to look at it, if you don't have a deal and you just want to talk shop, please reach out. I want to be a resource. People have been very helpful to me when I was coming up in the business and I like to give back. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can find me there. First name is Dan, last name L-E-W-K-O-W-I-C-Z. Again, L-E-W-K-O-W-I-C-Z. And I'm happy to give out my direct cell phone. It's 248-943-2838. Again, 248-943-2838. If there's anything I can do to add value, it would be my absolute pleasure. All right. We'll add your contact information to the show notes, Dan. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. This was great. Thank you. You are welcome. And to all our listeners, thank you for being here. I hope this has added value to you and join us again on the next episode of Surgeon Syndicate. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, know other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better. So I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.